All right, we're back with another episode of Eat Sleep Bedlam. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Eat Sleep Bedlam. Follow us on YouTube at Eat Sleep Bedlam Pod. Uh, we're on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. So follow that. If you're watching on YouTube, the links are at the bottom. So click that. Follow us. We got a lot of comments, um, especially after the OSU game, the preview, and the post game stuff. Um, so keep the comments coming. We even got some comments on the last one. So we definitely appreciate that. But we got two crazy games uh, to talk about today because it felt like we were watching the two teams play earlier this year all over again, uh, the way OSU played and the way Oklahoma played. But let's start with Oklahoma State, mainly uh, also because they did get a new commit, Landon. Yeah, we got Maya Luiaki smith Um, think I got that right. Going to have to figure that out, hopefully yeah. for about the next four years. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a big fan of him since I first started seeing his tape come up. I mean, yeah. he's a great as a three-star. I don't know why. I, I mean, I don't know why he's on a four-star. Like, he looks like it. He's playing in, you know, California, putting up big numbers against good competition. Um, I'm excited about him coming. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the quarterback room going forward because you have Zane Flores, who has a huge arm. I mean, I think his pure arm talent is probably better than Smith, but I think Smith is the better, like, overall quarterback prospect. So you have those two guys who are going to be fighting it out, and Rangel's still around. What happens with that whole situation? So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I wonder if one of them transfers out uh, with the loaded quarterback room. This is a guy, if you've watched our podcast, we've talked about since the summer. Uh, He's been a OSU kind of BYU kind of battle. Um, Can't remember. There was one other team that was kind of in it, but OU and OSU and BYU were the two main teams. And apparently he kept it super close to the best. Like no one had any idea where he was leaning. There was even an article that came out like last week that said he might not sign. He might not even announce anything until the next signing day, like next summer. So, I mean, him dropping this was kind of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the game. Uh, Forty-five um, to three, big uh, win for UCF. Um, they they just came loaded, undefeated in the space jerseys. Yes, in the space jerseys, undefeated. Uh, it was weird game because it looked like the OSU team we saw in the first three weeks. Uh, they weren't prepared at all. Not even the, even the equipment staff didn't bring rain gear. Like no one was prepared for this game. It seemed like. Uh, offensive coordinator didn't look ready. Mike Gundy didn't have him prepared. The defense got shredded. I mean, John Rice Plumley put on a game that we knew he could put on, yeah. and he he played it played really well. And OSU looked like a, a team that came off an emotional win and, and just wasn't overall ready to play. But what was kind of your thought? I, I was able to watch the first half, but then it was traveling to the OU game for the second half, so they could see. But at that point, you got a good idea of what the game went or how the game was going. I mean, this is a burn the tape game. Like, you're not going to pick take away anything useful from this no. game. I mean, even when things started going well before it got out of hand, something weird would happen that derailed it. Like, the Ollie Gordon fumble, it wasn't bad. wasn't really bad at ball security. It wasn't a great punch. It was just he got hit in a weird way and the ball came out. And yeah. then Bowman's first pick was a good throw that the guy got hit and the ball goes straight up in the air. And mm-hmm. then his pick right after halftime, not a great throw probably should have been picked off regardless, but again, got tipped in the air and picked. So, yeah, I mean, they gave up a couple big plays, but the rain threw them off too for that, that second quarter. Like you could barely see the game watching it from. Yeah. And that's rain. what I was talking about. They didn't have rain gear, which I don't know yeah. how you don't, you're not ready for that, but. I know. And it was, it, it was a bad game. Like there is yeah. no point. I mean, you can't take away anything from that game and be like, this tells me this about Oklahoma state. It was 
they kind of got boat raced at the beginning and before they could recover, weird stuff started happening. Yeah. I was kind of trying to remember how it exactly went, but obviously UCF went right down the field, scored touchdown opening drive that happens. Scripted plays. Okay. But then you fumble immediately and now you're down 14, nothing, but then you put together a drive and this is the one where it's tipped and picked that you could go in and make it 14 to seven. And now you're right back in it. Well, you throw the pick, they go down and get a field goal. You come right back out, three and out. They go down the field in three plays. Um, yeah. One of those plays was a the 75-yard touchdown pass, mm-hmm. and now it's 24 nothing, and the game is basically over at that point. I mean, it's I'm, just – I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the majority of the second half of it. I yeah. had it on – you know, I was watching it, and it was that pick the – I don't know if it was second or third. I was cooking at some point yesterday, so there's, I missed a couple plays here and there. But yeah. I, the pick where it was tipped, the second one picked – and came down and then the first play Harvey runs like 78 yards for the touchdown to make it 31 to three. At that point, I was like, all right, they're about to start putting in backups. I'm not going to sit here and make myself watch this. I'm going to do something. And to start the second quarter, you get a field goal to make it 24, three force an immediate fumble. So you could make it 24 to 10. Boom. Another pick. I mean, it was just like nothing could ever get going. I mean, we talked about Ollie Gordon and the amazing run he had been on. Um, Land uh, uh, UCF is like was one of the worst run defenses. Like hundred, there's only forty or teams yeah. worse. I don't yeah, it was know like 127th or 128th. Yeah, and he has 12 carries, 25 yards. I mean, he yeah. just he a- everything was shut down. Uh, and props to UCF. I mean, their yeah. their defense came to play. Their offense came to play. I mean, that's. I mean, this they looked like the team we all thought they were when we made our preseason picks. The team we thought they could be yeah. more than just once or twice. We thought they might not be that team the whole season, but we thought they would win seven, eight games just because they would have a couple of these kind of performances. Yeah. I mean, and we thought fun. they would challenge a lot of the really good teams yeah. because of it. When you have Plumlee, Harvey, and that receiving core, I mean, it was hard not to think they might lose a lot, but they're going to be in every game. And I don't know. They put, they're starting to put it together. Yeah. And I said it they had one really, really good game. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I said it um, after the OU UCF game. Uh, you know the Shaquille O'Neal meme where it was like, "I'm sorry, I wasn't really familiar with your game." Yeah. RJ Harvey's the real deal, man. Yeah, I mean, so good. he had 24 carries, 206 yards, three touchdowns. That that guy is just special. I mean, he is. He, is he reminds me. He reminds me like the way he's shifty of Deuce, but he's a much bigger Deuce, <laughs> which is crazy yeah, to think about. Not quite as fast, not quite yeah. as quick in the short area, but yeah. like the same type, of, that same style. He's just so shifty and and hard to tackle, and yeah, like, and can just, you yeah, we hear you. We just don't okay. see you, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. My computer saying Palm Center wants to use the login keychain. I press cancel, <laughs> and it just keeps popping up, blocking my camera. I don't really know what's going on. Y'all are frozen on my screen, but if you can oh, hear well. me, yeah, we hear you. We hear you, and well. it's just your name up there, so it works. Okay, sounds good. I wanted to call Jaron out here for a second, and All it really right. sucks because I can't really feel his or facial expression, and that just really disappoints me because I like poking the bear a little bit. Me and Jaron were watching OSU here at the house on Saturday, and he informed me that him and Landon made a bet um, on Ollie Gordon kind of a going. Bet. Oh, yeah, kind of a you know a bet. yeah. It was What's more just talking about it. Like we didn't put anything down yeah. on it, but yes. Uh, so I was kind of disappointed he didn't call Landon out on that. Which oh, it was just a I'd already texted like him. I just wanted to see like him. conversation about what yeah. he could do. I'd already I, and I already texted him right after the game. Yeah, I said I yeah. was way yeah. off on that prediction, 
Which yeah. again, I thought he would have a decent day. I now I thought UCF could have won the game oh, because and, and, I think they're good enough to win the game. But I I thought Ollie would still play pretty well. Let, yeah, I let mean, me, let me tell myself a little bit here, Landon, because I I've been doing this sleeper app, right? You do over under on play. Yeah, players. You know, I've been doing like the ten dollar bets here and there. I put like thirty five bucks in. I had that thing up to three hundred bucks because I've been doing just a bunch of small bets. Well, Saturday I was like, all right, I'm doing a big one. Because there are some guarantees. It was Ollie Gordon over under one touchdown. Didn't have it didn't matter if it was receiving, didn't matter if it was rushing. So I'm like, like all right, yeah. I'm putting 50 bucks on this thing. I'm doing Ollie Gordon, and then I'm doing Austin Stogner under on one touchdown because the dude hasn't scored all season. <laughs> and then I did like four others. The four others, it, if I would have won the bet, it was like 400, 500 bucks, something like that. The four others hit. Ollie Gordon and Austin Stogner. Austin Stogner freaking scores. We'll talk about him later. And then Ollie Gordon, I'm like, what the heck? What is going on? How has he not scored yet? Yeah. But yeah, my my takeaway of the game, and this isn't this isn't me crapping on OSU. Uh Gundy said it on Monday. He said he felt like that his guys were just mentally and physically exhausted after Bedlam. Um, and they're listening to some OSU guys this past week. Going into this game, they said, you know, we shouldn't lose this game, but it's been party town in Bedlam for a while, like since the Bedlam game. Like they, they're super pumped up about winning. It's the last Bedlam. Um, they're not ready for this game. They're not ready to go to Central Florida and play this game. And I mean, I just feel like that was evident. I mean, you could see it on the field. Um, obviously, the conditions didn't help Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State should have been able to run the ball on them. I mean, it, it UCF is not a good run defense, and I just felt like, I don't know, Oklahoma State just didn't show up to play. Um, but it – and I honestly – me and Jaron talked about this and because we did watch the first half. I got to watch a lot of the fourth quarter at the stadium at OU because um, they had – you know, they had it on every TV in the stadium. And uh, I, I feel like Ollie Gordon was a little bit banged up in Bedlam towards the end of it. Not necessarily hurt, hurt, but definitely seemed like he was banged up and – he came off the field in the UCF game, looked a little bit banged up. He just didn't look like he's 100% to me. Um, and Landon might have more insight on that than I do because he follows OSU way closer than I do. But he just – he didn't look completely right. I think it's one of those things at this point in the season, no one's completely right. No and, and also the run he's had and getting 25 carries almost every game. going to wear you down. Yeah, you're going to get beat up. And, and the, when he went down, it looked like one of those things he fell wrong. Yeah. Not like it was anything major. And Gundy's not going to tell anyone anything about right. injuries ever. Yeah. Like, I mean, two years ago, there was a lineman that was gone for the year. He never said the guy was gone for the year and he was supposed to be a starting, like, right tackle. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're never going to find out what's going on unless Ollie says something. Yeah, that's just how Gundy is. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about how OSU wasn't ready. I mean, it, again, it still blows my mind how the equipment guys weren't even ready. They weren't and- ready. The one reason why you're not prepared for the rain and, oh, it like you can make it a little bit of an excuse, well, the rain played a factor. Yeah, it played a factor because you didn't have any rain gear on the sidelines. It's Florida. It's not like you're in some place that – like you went to Arizona and it exactly. started raining. That would be understandable that you didn't haul all your rain gear to a desert. Yeah. Like Yes. Like it rains all the time in Florida. Like you can guarantee if you take a trip to Florida for vacation for a week, you're going to get two, three days of rain, most likely. Like, it's just going to happen, but still blows my mind. But and, but as bad as that game was, win the next two, and Texas beats Iowa State, you're still in Arlington. 
Yes, correct. Um, especially because you have the tiebreaker over Kansas State, you have the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. So, and the next two, you got what Houston and BYU, and so those are two games you should win. Now, Dana Holgerson's weird, so you never know what what he might cook up. Hopefully, he throws an egg. Yeah, you never know what he might cook up. But and BYU, that's something I did want to talk to you about because. And I know Jaron was talking to a guy yesterday that knows the Big 12 pretty in depth and, you know, all the rules. And But I was reading the rules. I was listening to the radio last night, hearing some different things. To me, from what it sounded like, if Texas loses uh, one game, then it's OU and Texas. As long as Texas loses and then wins out, and then OU wins out, um, it'd be OU and Texas. But the weird thing to me, what I'm trying to figure out, is you've got Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. So if it's a if it's a three way tiebreaker, to me, I thought OSU would have it because they would have the head to head. But the way that the Big Twelve policy reads is it's not it's only head to head if it's a two way tie. If it's a three way tie, then it goes to the best win of the three, which would be Oklahoma because they beat Texas. So if if I'm hearing that wrong, if I'm understanding it wrong, correct me. But that. To me, it would make sense. Oklahoma State wins out. Texas wins out. It would be Oklahoma State and Texas. It is. I'm but pretty sure it is. That one is because you have Iowa State in there, and technically they're tied with. But they own. wouldn't. They wouldn't right. be tied if Texas beats them. Right, and if that would drop them, and Oklahoma State wins out, it would. Put them yeah. There. So if, I I if, read if, the tiebreakers for 20 minutes, and I'm still confused at all the tiebreakers. Yeah, everything that, I've read says if Texas and Oklahoma State went out. Those well, those are the two. That, that's what I'm reading on like Oklahoma State's Twitter page. Like I, I was reading a bunch of thread last night. But if you look at the big twelve, and I could be speaking out my butt right here, but it says head to head only matters is if it's if it's a two way tie. If it's a three way tie, then it automatically goes to the best win of the three teams competing. Yeah, there's, so that, it's, that's where it's where it, it's it's weird. We need a whole podcast to go over the tiebreaker rules, really, because it yes. is it is weird, but. Um, oh, the easiest path for OU is Texas losing. Texas losing and OU is pretty much in. But after, I mean, obviously they have to take care of business, but uh, that's the easiest path. But all right, let's get into the Oklahoma game. So Oklahoma dominant performance, 59-20 over a pretty good West Virginia team. They were not great, but they're pretty good. But this was the team we saw the first six games. I'm not going to say the first seven because the UCF game, they didn't play well, but they won. But this was the team we saw through Texas, finally. What yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there was a lot in this game that just really just opened my eye. I was like, where was this team? Okay, first off, the quarterback run game. Where was that in Bedlam? Me and Jaron kind of texted back and forth throughout the game. You run Gabriel like that, like they did against West Virginia, and watching what uh, John, Reese, John Rice Plumley did to OSU with his legs, That it's a whole different game. Yeah. Like I, why they didn't run Gabriel in Bedlam, but I won't. You know, and that was talked that. about leading up to the game of being a weakness of Oklahoma State, and OU just didn't do it. Didn't even try it, and it was something that was been a part of OU's playbook for a, a lot of the season. Just didn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, look at the Texas game. What Gabriel did with his legs and just opened up that whole offense. But yep. Dylan Gabriel had he missed some throws here and there, but overall sets a school record for total touchdowns. Um, eight total touchdowns, five through the air, three on the ground. Throws for four hundred twenty-three yards. Um, get not taking anything away from Gabriel. Gabriel had an outstanding game. Drake Stoops had, sets a career high, 10 receptions, 164 yards, three touchdowns. He had a great game. The guy that stuck out to me was Gavin Sawchuck. 
Yep. We finally had that game by a running back that we've been waiting to have. Three weeks in a row. Yeah, 22 carries, 135 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. That's all right. Gabriel kind of stole his touchdowns in the red zone. But uh, 135 yards, and he was hitting holes. He had that a little bit more of an explosive burst. It's almost like he's – He's back healthy and he's starting to figure things out, which is what you want to see for if you're a Sooner fan because that that run game opens up everything. I mean, you look at the receiving and what Gabriel is able to do through the air is because Sawchuck was able to run the ball effectively. I mean, Drake Stoops yeah. went for 164, like I said. Nick Anderson had 119. Stogner hasn't done anything all season long, has four receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And Gibson had a touchdown in the end zone. So, Really well put together offensively game for OU. And then the thing I'll say about the defense, they came out, they give up a big opening drive. West Virginia goes up 7-0. West Virginia only scores 13 points the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, that was that was impressive of itself. And they have another goal line stand. Mm-hmm. Another one. like that. Yeah. I don't know what's up with Oklahoma's defense when the other team gets the ball on the half inch to one yard line, but it's almost like they just go into another gear. I, yeah. I I mean, I know, theoretically, you do that 20 times, the team's going to score. But, yeah. you know, listening to the radio last night, they're like, why don't you just let them get to the one-yard line? Because yeah. you Let's stop them. Stuff them. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a funny uh, tweet. It was this this defense uh, defends the fourth and goal better than the last uh, regime's defends the third and 23, which was pretty funny. But, no, I, I feel like this was the most complete game OU has played all season, given the opponent. Because West Virginia isn't a bad opponent. We talked about it. Uh, their defense was actually like 60-something, and they, and they were about 60 in off uh, run and in pass defense. So they were overall solid. Like you said, they go down the field, score the touchdown. Their other touchdown they got um, right before half, and two questionable pass interferences is what it is, but they, they got it in. And then to start the second half, they got a, another touchdown. Uh, they made some adjustments in their run scheme and were able to get it in. Other than that, they didn't score. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, crazy thought process here. They turn it over one time and only have five penalties and they blow a game open. You know, we, we've seen the last two weeks, they turned over three times both games. They had 19 combined penalties the last two games. This game, they turned it over one time and it was that muffed um, punt for Freeman. I couldn't, so it's kind of weird. He was blocked into Freeman. But the rule is if you muff the putt before you get hit by the block, it's not a penalty. And it looked like he might have muffed it just before, uh, which he kind of struggled because he muffed another one later on but recovered it. But that was their only turnover. Defense forced a three and out. They they shanked the 48-yard field goal, so it didn't actually end up hurting them. And like you said, they go 644 yards of total offense, 8 of 14 on third down, 2 for 2 on fourth down, so 10 of 16 on those two downs. Very efficient. Run for 221 yards. Um, and then the the time of possession. OSU owned the time of possession against Oklahoma. It was 30 minutes and 32 seconds to 29 minutes and 28 seconds. I mean, it, almost even in this one. And that's exactly what you want to see. And they turned um, West Virginia over twice as well. And the number seven ranked rushing attack, and they held 176, which is a decent day. But when you're the number seven team in the country, that's a blow average day. And what have we talked about with Garrett Green? You have to make him beat you as a thrower. And if you do that, you can run West Virginia out of the gym or out of the stadium. He goes 10 to 27, 154 yards. Just not a good day for him. And that's exactly what they did. They they stopped the run and made him beat, you, beat, beat them through the air, which he can't do. So, yeah. Yeah. And Green also only had 24 yards rushing, which typically yeah. he goes for a lot more. Uh, I'll say Jaron brought 
brought up Gavin Freeman. I don't know if y'all noticed it, Landon, if you watched the game or not. I don't know if you could really tell on TV. Um, I don't know if Jaron even noticed it live. My dad pointed it out to me in pregame warm-ups. West Virginia's punter puts the weirdest spin on the ball. I'm not defending Freeman muffing yeah. it, but, dude, that was a weird freaking spin. Like, that thing just glides through the air, and then when it's coming down, it just starts wobbling. It's yeah. it's weird. I noticed it on the punt that he muffed but recovered that at the end of it, it spins like almost sideways. It's weird. It is a weird yeah. spin to it, which still you got to be prepared for that. You got to catch the ball. It's not like, you know, we haven't seen some crazy stat that West Virginia leads the nation and people muffing punts. Like other people's have figured it out <laughs> of recovering. Dude, I, it. I think we muffed one against them too. Did you, did you end up I muffing one? Presley dropped one. Yeah. Did you recover it? I don't think so. Well, let's let's we can go back and look at the box score. Y'all we'll, talk about it a little bit, though, Elena. I, I guess you didn't end up watching the game, but no, overall, all I saw was game. a the clip on Twitter of like the weird fight. Oh yeah, yeah, which was fun. Yeah, so that, because that was a weird deal. When that happened, the lights were going off because we scored a touchdown, so you couldn't really see it. I watch it back on the TV. You know who the guy was that got into his face and pushed first? Gabriel. It was Dylan Gabriel that ran to him and pushed him. And then a lineman's like dragging him off. And then Farouk comes in and nails a guy. I, I think it was a Farouk. It was whoever was on that right side nails a guy. And so, they, and the funny thing is no flags were thrown. And they're saying it's probably because they couldn't see because the lights were dim. So <laughs> the light show worked out for OU in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the very following plate. I'm not saying the coaching staff told him to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Cade, I can't ever say his last name correctly. McTwire. He went straight to number 12 on that extra point. Like, there was no blocking in his mind or his thought process. He literally went straight for number 12 and pretty much let him know, like, that's Bob Stoops' son. That's our boy. Like, don't yeah. you ever do that to him again. And he and must then have he, said the magic words. <laughs> well, he, well, he got ejected because it was his second personal foul. That well, was the he, only he, well, he got two back-to-back. He got one yeah. when he pushed him, and then he said something when he was walking off. And so, and that's when they gave him the second one. So, whatever he said there was probably the magic words. It looks like he um, uh, West Virginia did recover then, one, Landon, yeah. against y'all. Yeah. So, maybe they do lead the country in They, they could. Maybe they do. Maybe we were but, given, not giving them enough credit. We were on yeah, Matoire <laughs> walks off the field, and then uh, the president for OU, President Haraz, gives him a fist bump as he's walking off, almost like, yeah. That's my boy. Come on, Zach. It's Harris. Harris. Come sorry. On. sorry. <laughs> hey, he does spell it weird, but it's almost pronounced Harris. Um, but yeah, no. Overall, back to the game. Just a dominant performance. We finally saw that that fire, and you know they dominated the line of scrimmage. And West Virginia actually has a really good offensive line. Like, yeah, watching do. some of the tape going up into the game, I was really impressed with that unit. And Texas's offensive line is more talented. But I had seen West Virginia's offensive line play overall better up to that point. And OU's defensive line just dominated the game. That was the fire and the passion and all that that we had seen from this team the first six games that played with a chip on their shoulder, but we hadn't seen since the bye week. Even though they beat UCF, they didn't really play with that uh, sense of urgency. But they, did, they didn't They did versus Kansas. And they didn't versus Oklahoma State. So it was good to see it back, but now you got to finish the year. And if, if you're able to continue that and win the next two games, maybe something happens. Maybe OSU slips up again. Maybe Texas slips up and you're in the Big 12 championship. If not, you're 10-2, and two and that's a really good bounce-back year from going 6-7. and seven. I mean, it is. Well, and if you're – I mean, I, we can 
maybe we can do a special edition podcast about the the Big 12 race or something. But just to hit on that just a little bit more, you know, Texas comes out today and announces that Jonathan Brooks has torn his ACL. Yeah. Obviously, he's by far one of their best offensive weapons. And mm-hmm. um, Quinn Ewers coming off an injury, he just didn't look great. I mean, they TCU had a chance to win that game. TCU had him at third and 12 with about two minutes to go. They still had one timeout. And Quinn Ewers just lobs one up there, and A.D. Mitchell makes a great adjustment to the ball and makes a great catch um, to really secure that game. But that was a not a good throw by Quinn, and overall he really didn't play that well. So Texas um, has been playing you never with know fire. Gonna... He, he hasn't really looked yeah, and... great since the Bama game. He's kind of yeah. been slowly reverting to the Quinn Ewers of last year. I was about to say, and that's how it yeah. was last year too in terms of he was really good versus and Alabama got, and they, did not play good two, after that. They've got two tricky games coming up. They've got Iowa State in Ames at night. night. game, yep. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State knows all about Ames <laughs> at time with yep. a season title on the line. Or, night, just in Ames. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, then they go to Tech on Friday after Thanksgiving at night. Yeah. No, that's at home. And playing for a they play yeah. at Texas? Yeah, it's at Texas. I thought it was in Lubbock. No, cool. it's at Texas. But, I mean, that's still a tricky game. But I was looking at this. Um, t- three of their last four games, not the B- BYU, they beat pretty bad. But oh, yeah. Houston, Kansas State, and TCU, they were up by 20 or more points at one point in those games. They won each one. Well, they won one by three last night. They won the other by three, the Kansas State one that went to overtime. And they won the other one by seven against Houston. All three of them they could have lost, but were able to end up finding ways to win. So they're playing with fire. I mean, getting up that big and then blowing those leads, it's looking like the – now, I will say, it's looking like the Texas team from last year, but those those teams last year were losing those games. They're finding ways to win these games so far. But I was at one point confident Texas was going to run the table, but with how they're performing, I mean, if they lose to Iowa State, now we got a four – what, a five-way – is it a five-way tie at that point? Because I would say it's, what, two losses? K-State's got two losses, OU, OSU, and Texas. Five, two-loss teams. So I did look up the tiebreaker, and for three or more teams, it's best cumulative win percentage among the games played against those tied teams, like essentially record against the teams that are tied. So if it was a three-way tie between Kansas State, OU, and Oklahoma State, OSU would get it. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I thought, too, because everything that I've read, the tiebreakers kind of get weird, but the easiest path for OU is just Texas lose. Texas it, loses, OU owns the tiebreaker and can get and gets mm-hmm. in. And I think in that scenario, if OSU, OU, or Texas loses, it's OU, OSU, I believe. That would then go. That's a possibility, too. So, yeah. There's some weird it, Again, you I want to get it all the way down to where we have to do the coin flip. That's really what I want. Yeah, we, we got <laughs> We got to get, like um, – what is it, Friday Night Lights style? Yeah. <laughs> we got to yeah, get that. Yeah. And again, y'all, y'all are frozen and I can't see or do anything. So let, I just wanted, wanted to ask Lane what he just said since he looked it up. So if it's o- OSU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma, it's the cumul- cumulative win percentage of the opponents? Of those three. No, it's basically the games you played against the teams you're tied with. Yes. And OSU beat Kansas State and OSU beat OU. Okay, so OSU. So it's not head to head, but essentially it is head to head. Yeah. So since OU it's didn't as play, head to head as it can be, the way so well, since, since OU didn't play Kansas State, that would essentially hurt them in that aspect. 
Yes. Because if OU like beat can, let's say they played Kansas State and beat them, then it would be then it would go to the best win, right? It's uh, yeah, it's, best win is like fifth down. It's not even a close. Yeah, the win. one after that I don't is. Know why everyone pulled like started pulling that one out as like the go to? That no, one's way. I think down I think it's because they're they're mixing it up with best common opponent win percentage. So the it's next like one next. Would be record against the next highest placed common opponent in the standings. Yes, which oh you would lose that too because it's Kansas, right yeah. now. And then there would be win percentage against all common conference opponents, which I don't really understand that because well, it wouldn't be high, Kansas. So. Kansas is like eighth it's, in the Big Twelve. It's all the teams that common opponents is all the same Big Twelve teams that each school played. You take your overall record between those. So. Um, like oh, you wouldn't well, get a bonus for playing Texas because OSU didn't play Texas, but OSU played Kansas and OU played Kansas and OSU won and OU didn't. It's all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah and then but, it's combined win percentage in conference games. Again, I don't really know how that's different than the previous three yeah. um, things. And then it's just wins. Yeah. So wins total but, wins is five. Best win is six. Yeah. If you're best win, you are one step from doing the coin toss. Yeah. So I Let's don't just really get know to what it. The- Let's just get to the so coin toss. Know, the, the best win is the one that matters. No, yeah. that's the last thing you want. Hon- and honestly, if you're an OU fan, just root for Texas to lose. If that happens, it makes it easy. It'll use it. <laughs> well, like, uh, and I was just looking at the standings, Sharon, because you, you brought up Kansas being the next best opponent. They're actually seventh in the Big 12 right now. It's well, Texas. They have three Oklahoma losses. State. Yeah, it's Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas State. West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas. Well, no, Kansas is so, tied with Tech in West Virginia. Yes, but they're Tech in West Virginia. Uh, and um, this shows Iowa State. Iowa ahead, State would so be down. Because I would have said would have lost to Texas. I mean, we're going to get a lot of Iowa, Iowa State yeah. beat Kansas, though, right? <laughs> Iowa State beat Kansas. No, Iowa State, I think, plays Kansas Oh no! Iowa State there, lost like, to Kansas. Yeah. Iowa State lost to Kansas. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if Kansas I, State beats Kansas, then Kansas has four losses. Yeah, Kansas in. would then fall out too. So we'll get, and that's this weekend. So that's this weekend. Texas, Iowa State's this weekend. So we'll get some clarity this weekend. West Virginia, they never played Texas because Tech. if Iowa State beats Texas, oh yeah, they did. That, that essentially eliminates Oklahoma State. Iowa State, if they beat what uh, because Texas, that, because uh, that okay. Would put, I that would put Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State at the top three, and Iowa State has the tiebreaker over. And OU has the tiebreaker over Iowa State. Yeah. So, so Iowa State beats can't Texas now. Oklahoma State's essentially eliminated. Yeah. So I wonder who would go at that point. Is it OU Texas at that OU, point? It's OU Tech. If if yeah, Texas loses, Texas. it's OU Texas. There's also like a weird way that Kansas State could get in, but it requires like Texas and. It's like Iowa State has to beat this one, then Iowa State has to lose the next week, and then I think OU has to lose one, and that's how Kansas State gets in. Well, Kansas, so Kansas State plays Iowa State the last game yeah. of the year. They but they have a loss to OSU in Texas, so they're they're really on the outside looking in in that they, scenario. They're like the last one that yes. has a shot. Yes, they have the smallest percentage yeah. to get in. But if Texas loses, then it's OU and Texas. If all those teams are tied, if OSU, if Texas wins and OSU loses, then it's OU and uh, I think Texas again in that scenario. 
So if you're an OU fan, root for either OSU to lose or root for Texas to lose. If you're OSU, business as usual. Yeah, if OSU, root for your team to win <laughs> all the games and root for and you now you got to root for Texas to win out. It's a weird. I, and it's so <laughs> terrible because up until because before yesterday it was oh man I hope Texas loses so we get like Kansas in the yeah twelve title game and now it's like yeah. dang it best case scenario is we play Texas in the title game yeah <laughs> yeah and. Their their athletes are freakish. I, I, I never I never thought I'd say this, but this weekend I am a big Matt Campbell and Dana Holgerson <laughs> fan. Like those are my two favorite coaches going into that's next a, weekend. It's a dark place to be. It kind of stinks because I I really would rather play Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve Championship if we made it. I I don't really want to play Texas again. I don't want to play Texas even though without I, Jonathan Brooks, I think we would have a. Sh- a good chance, but it's just hard to beat a team twice. And also, how I would feel very if it does end up being Brooks. if it does end up being Texas and Oklahoma State, not in those couple people y'all met at the yes. yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to be in their own personal hell. <laughs> like they're they're not going to be having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just the OU Texas game stresses me out more than any game, so I just don't want to see it again this year. Well, that's why I don't want a Bedlam rematch because I I just survived <laughs> that. I don't need it yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, but if you won, they might go West Virginia style and set couches on fire. I mean, that might be a big deal. Is yeah. there any scenario that sets up a bedlam rematch? Does Texas pretty much just have to lose lose the next two? They would I don't, have to lose I don't next... know if there's a scenario anymore because Oklahoma has a tiebreaker against I mean, Texas, te- so if Texas OSU won out. out. Yes, obviously, but I outside think... of Texas losing out, I don't know if there is a scenario. I think Oklahoma State losing yesterday removed the possibility of a bedlam rematch unless texas loses out but that's just not i don't think that happens but then i would state would that's right actually i would so texas would have to lose out i would state would have to lose to kansas state but i think kansas state's in in that situation they might be i don't know (laughs) yeah 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 it might be because kansas state doesn't play ou yeah so I, I read know. that, but like I was reading like the scenarios, and I knew that a couple of them were wrong, and they're like, "What happens in certain situations?" I'm like, "Well, that actually doesn't add up, so I'm just gonna yeah. stop." But who knows? Yeah, who knows? We'll find out in a week. Yeah. yeah. All right, we only have five minutes left, so let's wrap this up. Thanks we so could, much for joining us. Yeah, more hypotheticals for five. Yeah, minutes. we can we can throw out <laughs> hypotheticals, but uh, follow us on Twitter at EatSleepBedlam. Follow us on YouTube at EatSleepBedlam Pod. We're on uh, Spotify. Apple, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. All those links are at the bottom of this if you're watching on YouTube, so check that out. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.